Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen, Tom Wells, and Alex King here. Today is Friday, February the 8th, 2019. It's 8 a.m. in New York, 5 a.m. in Los Angeles, 1 p.m. in London, and Sydney, Australia is at 12 midnight. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And we are glad that uh, our live stream listeners are also starting to stream in. Hello to people who are saying hello as they, they stream in, which is a good thing. <laughs> This is a Q&A. If you are listening to the live stream and you want to insert a question into the comments section, we will be glad to address it, bring it up, talk about it. Uh, and in the meantime, we're just going to uh, kind of catch up because we haven't talked to Tom in a week. Tom, how's it going? I mean, I hope I know that you said before the uh, podcast got going that you haven't had a whole lot of winter, but it's pretty cold there right now, so I hope you're snuggled in. Yeah, some of the coldest days of the whole year have got down to minus 9 Yesterday, which mm. is really cold for this area. It doesn't mm. happen in, that much anymore. But that was a rare. And this morning it's minus one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. I, li- I, li- I like that. And Excellent. we got seven inches of snow. and So it feels like winter. <laughs> so you're finally getting the snow. I mean, that's what... Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. That's what Boulder, Colorado yeah, is known for in Denver. You know, lots of snow in the area. So good. You're living up to your namesake. That's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, a little, yeah. Whatever degree we can, it's we're doing our best. Absolutely, even if the degrees are <laughs> negative degrees, whatever it takes. And uh, <laughs> and of course, Alex has yeah. now become such a regular. I, I'm talking to her like two or three times a week now, so it, it's. I know, right? Like, <laughs> it's almost like, do it's I really great. need to catch up? But uh, no, actually, you do. Have all to catch Alex, up. all the time. It's all Alex, all the time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Getting pretty famous there, Alex. I am. <laughs> what are you going to do with all that money that you make on the radio? <laughs> Man. I love it. I love it. Uh, in fact, you, it's interesting. You two were the ones who responded the best to that email I sent out. I, for, for listeners, I sent an email to all the co-hosts um, tossing out the idea about doing that, that fictional podcast idea. Uh, you know, some mm-hmm. sort of fictional series and so forth. And, and Alex and Tom gave, like, the strongest... Like, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's do this. This is good. So I just wanted to make well, sure I acknowledged you guys. <laughs> it's interesting that when I was when I was seven years old, eight years old, I was making radio shows in my um, I was too. Really? <laughs> yeah, with my best friend. Yeah. With my brother and sister. We made radio shows with a little cassette recorder. Yeah. And um, yeah. and we would put sound effects in them and everything, you know. And yep. we would play like we were the the bad guys and the good guys and you know i remember doing voices and making sounds with little toy cars i stuffed you know like the sound of the car driving away i would you know you had these cars you could push and they would get going they had a friction motor and you'd push it on the ground and and it'd go ring 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 that's why i put that up to the microphone as when i would drove drove away you know i'd slam a a book down as the door closing, you know. <laughs> it was totally fun. <laughs> Wish I still had that. That's cool, making your own yeah, sound effects. Yeah, I lost my cassettes. <laughs> That's really good. Did you? Mine was uh, more of a, like, it was a talk radio show, but we also played music in between, So, but uh-huh. we played our own songs. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. We were cool kids. You, what kind of songs? You were playing songs that you wrote or... What? Yeah, songs that we wrote. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. That's really good. I just spent the last 45 minutes writing a song. Pretty fun. It is fun. First time I've done that in a while, so I'm excited. To get feels good, it. doesn't it? Oh, God, it feels incredible. Especially yeah. when the song comes in a dream and it comes in a really wonderful way, and I feel like, oh, the song is supposed to get out there. You know, so it'll be fun to continue to work on it. Yeah. This, this morning, that's what I'll be doing <laughs> for a while. <laughs> well, actually, well, that's uh, good. I mean, Alex and I were, were working earlier this week on this idea of starting a podcast, and we, we actually started fleshing out some characters on the show. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which is kind of uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, maybe it'll happen, man. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, you have to start yeah. with where yeah. you are. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah. Just let it flow. It's funny, too, when you get started on a project like that. I mean, after that show, Alex, I had been thinking about the characters we we started to kind of create outlines about and Mm ask myself, okay, 
So why do they behave in the way they do? Okay, this person has this characteristic and that has that characteristic. So why do they behave mm-hmm. the way they do? I know I'm, I'm playing it out in my head, right? So yeah, and, and yeah. They're becoming a little bit more real every every time that I do that. Were you doing that too? I was. Were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about it with my therapist and she was like, oh, you guys really delve deep into the characters. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Cool. There was no stopping us. Yeah. No. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't really mess that's around. Great. That's for sure. That, well, that's the other thing that occurs to me because I mean, we have here just on the podcast alone, and you have you know you're, a lot of people have therapists and so forth. We have life coaches. We have all these people who mm-hmm. have all this experience dealing with the kind of characters that mm-hmm. we're creating for the show. Exactly. You know, so so we can mm-hmm. make this real. I can like I can talk to Tom and say, so Tom, we have this character who's going to do this, this, and this. Does that make sense? And Tom <laughs> will say, well, yeah, except you probably want to have him do this, this, and this too. Oh yeah, right. I thought of that. Right. right? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, if you want, Alex, you want to try to uh, give a, a quick summary of what we came up with so far from what you remember. Okay. So. Uh, our main character so far is, uh, her name is Nancy, but Nance for short. And she's a talent agent in LA. And she's book smart, but a little naive. Um, she's recently divorced from her husband. I want to call him Mateo now, but, <laughs> but originally his name was Brett. Because <laughs> I want shift. him to be Hispanic. I don't know why. <laughs> That's all right. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, they have two kids. Uh, what did we name the kids? Lana and, uh, well, the other one was, was going to be Brett and then Brett Jr., but obviously Brett Jr. doesn't work if his name is Mateo. So. Yes, now it's Mateo Jr. Oh, you can still have Brett Jr. <laughs> no, no, no. Just no, be no weird. Mateo Jr. <laughs> Mateo Jr. Uh. Mateo Jr. And, but Mateo Sr. is an electrician who works for a, another company, but he wants to work for himself, but he doesn't want to take the risk in, um, you know, taking the leap of the financial stability of the family and all that stuff. So what else did we come up with? Uh, I think that, that That's was about pretty as much as we it, got. Yeah. In a nutshell. It takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while to, to just do mm-hmm. even that much. I mean, shows, yeah. no wonder when you have a, a, a TV show or a radio show or, you know, Netflix or something where, you yeah. know, they have this, this whole thing worked out. No wonder they have so many script writers. No, no matter they, no yes. wonder they have so many people involved in the project, producers and executive producers and directors mm-hmm. and all those. It takes a lot of work to do this stuff. <laughs> I can't even imagine how it is on the on the SNL uh, set. Like all those writers, there's oh, like geez, forty yes. writers. Yeah. yeah, and they got to come up with new stuff every week. Like that's mm. crazy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. some of those guys, that's like what Conan O'Brien used to do. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And some of those other guys, too, right, that are talk show hosts, they were writers mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. SNL and some of those programs. Second City, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon was before Jimmy he was Fallon, on the right. show. Right, and then right. he, and yeah. And then I wouldn't doubt that yeah. Stephen Colbert was a, some kind of writer because he's very talented. I think he was a writer for the... What show? What is? What show is he on? No, he's he's got his own show right now. Yeah. I think he was a writer for the Daily Show before he got his own show. Okay, that could be. I mean, you go back long enough. David Letterman was a writer before he became David Letterman. So, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I think so. you have to have that background to understand your job at, as a host. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also helps. I think that we all have the law of attraction background because that's part of the reason we want to create the series is to include mm-hmm. that element in it. Um, my, my sister uh, is a scriptwriter. I've been uh, kind of cueing her in on, on what we're doing too. Um, and she wants to be involved mm-hmm. in some way. Um, she, she, you, you know how it is with, uh, with Siri or one of the, uh, the, the, the voice uh, recorders where, where it takes your voice and translates it into text and they, they don't always get yeah. it right. Well, law of, no. attraction, law of attraction, when she tried to say it, came in as lava traction. So she was telling me that we, we, we have to find some way to help people understand what lava attraction really is. And I, I had to agree with it. But uh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, you have to really enunciate when you're using those things. Yeah, no, no kidding. You do, yeah. <laughs> I use it constantly, but I'm getting pretty good. I 
I, I don't make near the mistakes I used to make, it, but I have to speak like this every single time I record things. I exactly. talk very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably good and for us. And even then. I mean, we, huh? we, we do a podcast. It's probably good for us to actually learn to enunciate that well. So Siri yes. actually helps yeah. us you know, do podcasts. <laughs> I think it might. I think it well, does. I learned it at a young age, how to enunciate. It was part of a, it was a class we had to take, to take course. So. Hmm. You actually had a class in enunciation? Yes. Wow. It wasn't like a whole class, but it was like, it was like a, we would take a couple of classes out in chorus and be like, okay, and today's Annunciation Day. In, in chorus, you say? In chorus, yes. So you were a singer? Yes. Oh, okay. So you, it was part of your singing to learn to enunciate well. Yes, you have to. Well, that's Otherwise, <laughs> people don't know yeah. what you're singing. <laughs> yeah. Especially if yeah. we're singing in different languages. We were singing in, in Latin sometimes, so, you know, that's important. Oh. Hopefully you were all singing in the same language at the same time, too. <laughs> uh, we actually have our first question while we're meandering here. We haven't really talked about any topics in, in a Law of Attraction way, but we do have a Law of Attraction question. Sarah's saying, when did uh -huh. you guys discover Law of Attraction, and what made you want to learn more and give you that passion to help and teach others? A good question. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a good question. Tom? <laughs> 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 now you're getting bossy, girl. Um, no. Back to you, Tom. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I got lots of answers to that one. It just depends on how long you want to hear me talk. Um, <laughs> I know. We should get you a timer and a bell. <laughs> yeah. Right. You should. You just bring a cowbell and a and a and a like drum. Like 45 stick. seconds is up, Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> You should have a little signal you give me, like you scratch your ear or something. Like, okay, stop. I, I remember a, a um, number of years ago, yeah. before you tell your story, Tom, a number of years ago, I was involved, many, many years ago, I was involved with this very large singles club in Westport, Connecticut. And there was this big controversy because there was a question about whether board members had been siphoning funds or all this kind of stuff. And I, I had kind of gotten dragged into it and found myself all of a sudden running the organization because the president was under investigation and so forth. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Well, anyway, I'm sitting in front of this, <laughs> the, the entire you know, assemblage of, of people who had come to this big meeting to deal with this big controversy going on. And mm -hmm. it, it, people's, you know, how, how when you have controversies, you know, people were really hot about it. There was a lot of really big emotion built up. And I could tell I had to do exactly what you talked about, Alex. I had to have like a timer to make sure that nobody was yeah. going on too long and no, everyone would, would, mm. would know. So I think the rule was actually 45 seconds or a minute or something like that. I, I'd give you the floor and you could go do your thing for 45 seconds. And this one person got up who was well known for being very, very controversial. And I was using an old style timer that you would use in the kitchen to time food. You know, so you, you turn yeah. it to the five and it would click, 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 <laughs> and then go ding. Well, I was using that and... I gave him the floor, and I'm setting the timer, and as I pull it back, I pulled it back too far. He says his first word, and it goes, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, 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 I'm kidding. That, that, that was just, I didn't set it right, that's all. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's I thought of that when you said that. So anyway, go ahead, Tom. Tell us how uh, Law of Attraction, how you got into it, and what made you decide to you know, share with others. Yeah. I got into it first in 2006, 2007, when some good friends of mine who are very beautiful, loving people said, you ought to check this out. And so I was on the road a lot then in the car, and they gave me a bunch of CDs. So I started listening, and that lasted for a while, and I bought the book, Ask It and It Is Given, and another one of the Abraham books. And um, for about two years on the road, on and off, because I'd be on the road 100 days a year, I'd be listening to it while I was driving, and uh, on and off. And then eventually it just got to where I couldn't stand anymore to listen. It was just like hearing the same stuff over and over and over again. And, and I figured, I, I understand all this stuff. I don't, I don't need to, you know, I just can't stand to listen anymore. So I quit listening. Um, and I don't know how much it changed my life back then, but come along, uh, to, I got divorced in 2000, early 2011. And I, I went slowly into this kind of dark night of the soul because I had lost, 
my marriage and my home and my and most of my savings and all these stuff all this stuff had happened to me through because of the divorce and i I was really trying to create a new business I'd lost my business at the same time and um and eventually, when I was at one of my lowest points, this friend of mine told me uh, that I should go to this psychic fair that was happening here in Boulder. Ooh. And I just went one Saturday morning on a whim, and there was, there was a room full of psychics, and there was only one woman who looked available over in the corner. So I walked over, and I had a session with her. And um, at the end of the session, she says, I want to tell you three things that you need to do. You need to go to the local psychic center and take classes because you need to develop that ability you need to go do the the conferences in Matrix Energetics, and you need to get into Abraham Hicks. And um, so she told me where to go to listen to videos that were coming in every week, live three-hour feeds of the Abraham Hicks program. So I went to that uh, the next Saturday, and and right away, all the stuff I'd been struggling with for three years, this was now like 2014, all of my questions were answered. It was like everything in my heart and soul that I was struggling with, I would go in every line. I couldn't write fast enough. It was like answering all of my needs. It was amazing. And I thought, you know, because I'd been studying shamanism and stuff, and I was just looking at Esther Hicks, and, you know, I'd been into this stuff before, but now I was looking at her going, well, she's at least a shaman of some kind. She's <laughs> definitely, like, channeling amazing stuff directly from source. And um, so then I dove into it for years, and I just did nothing but listen to Abraham. I pretty much quit reading every other book. I even got rid of a lot of other books I was into. I decided psychology didn't matter. No other philosophy mattered. <laughs> I just jumped into it completely with both feet. And that's when I eventually got trained as a law of attraction coach because I felt like there's – this is so powerful that I want to help others discover what I've discovered because I no longer had problems in my life. I had an answer for everything, <laughs> which I got by listening to Abraham, you know. So basically, I just sold my entire soul to the devil called Abraham. And I, <laughs> and I, yeah, I, you're really helping us convince people this is not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Who said it's not a cult? Just because it comes from divine revelation doesn't mean it's not a cult. Um, Kool-Aid is available <laughs> in the back of the amphitheater. <laughs> Kool-Aid is in the back of the amphitheater. <laughs> but no, it's been wonderful, and I'm still uh, tweaking it and playing with it. I'm no longer like so fanatical. I now listen. I now read psychology, and I, I listen to all kinds of other sources of information about mm -hmm. life, you know. But it definitely was wonderful to have that come along, and and I I love I love things that are channeled. I'm reading a book now called Talking with Angels that was channeled in 1943 through four women, uh, three women and a guy who were waiting for the Nazis to invade Hungary, and um, mm. and this this entity started speaking through one of the young women, and uh, this is an amazing book about. Um, those women asking a whole bunch of questions, and three of them went on to die in Auschwitz, and the one who lived um, wrote the book, Talking with Angels. Very mm -hmm. powerful. So there's a lot of sources of beautiful inspiration that are out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how about, how you, about you, Alex? How did you get into it? And um, I got into it. I was also on the road um, doing uh, – what was I doing? I was – Selling, well, not selling, but, you know, teaching different uh, hairstylists across the East Coast how to use certain products that I would, that we, that my boss was selling. So I was, uh, so I was teaching that. So I was doing that. And then I don't know who introduced her to the secret, but she was like, you gotta, I, I bought you a DVD. You gotta watch it. So she came over for dinner one night and we watched the DVD. And at first, you know, I was like 22 at the time. So I was like, okay. This is boring. Where's my mind? I'm boring. <laughs> and I was like, how long until this DVD's over? But then, like, I, then we started listening while we were driving on the road. We started listening to different CDs in the car. And I, I heard something interesting about uh, this woman 
who was looking for her significant other and she did little things like uh she would never wear a ring on the engagement finger she would never um sleep on a certain side of the bed because she wanted to leave room for her future significant other yeah. i was like that's very interesting. I was like, I'm going to start doing that. And I've, I've done that ever since. Even even yeah. when I wasn't paying attention to law of attraction anymore, I still would not sleep on the certain side of the bed. I was like, nope, nope, my husband's coming. So, <laughs> and it so, works for you, too. Um, it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so I... Um, yeah, I drifted off away from it for a while. And then uh, recently got back into it when, you know, my life started falling back into place. And I was like, you know what? Um, I've had a pretty good life. Things, things always work out for me. And that's just how law of attraction is for me. Law, law of attraction is things just always work out for me. So I started getting more into it. And then, and then I met Walt and then now I'm heavy into it. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, you know what? You got to share your story because you never know who you're going to help. So that's how I decided I was going to get into it and start helping people. That's very cool. And for me, it was, uh, you, I was, it was, uh, 2007, November, 2007 is when I first saw the secret. I had been aware of that. That was the first I heard of the term law of attraction. I had been aware of positive psychology, positive thinking and so forth for many years. Um, having read Napoleon Hill and having, uh, bought one of the Tony Robbins series and so forth. Uh, but when mm-hmm. 2007 came along, I, I had gone out on my own. Um, well, Louise and I married in 99. Uh, a couple of years later, we moved to Virginia. I had already gone out on my own to uh, be a self-employed person. And I was I was building websites and, and doing all that stuff in the early stages of the web being built out. Uh, but by 2007, I, and I'd also had created a successful website selling long-distance services back when that was a thing. But, of course, that was gone now because... <laughs> cell phones and unlimited plans and so forth. So that was pretty much disappearing. And uh, this web business that I built up was doing okay. But then comes the, the financial crisis. And unfortunately, most of my clients had been nonprofit organizations that all disappeared because of the financial crisis. So my business just went... 2008? 2008, yeah. So, oh. and, and I could see... And, and I'm kind of blessed or cursed, depending on your point of view, with having a, a lot of understanding about how economics works. So I was one of the few mm-hmm. who understood that the crisis was coming well over a year before it arrived. Mm-hmm. And and I was terrified because I didn't know what to do about it. Like I knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but how do you deal with the fact? Because I, I could tell my business was going to disappear. And it did virtually, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, then what was I going too. to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's bad enough when when you lose your business and you went through that, Tom. But it's even worse when you know in advance that it's going to come and there's nothing you can do about it. And you live with that for yeah. a year. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. what? What am I going to do? <laughs> Which, of course, from an all, a law of attraction perspective, is guaranteeing you're going to have a really bad fall because all you're thinking about is, oh my god, my business is falling apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, 2007 November saw the secret and was intrigued by it. I had previously been exposed to some of the concepts surrounding it by my sister, who was very much into spiritual and mystical stuff and psychic phenomena and so forth. Um, but I had always had a very analytical mind. And, you know, I kind of kept it at arm's length. Yeah, oh, that's that's cool, sis. Great. Okay, fine. <laughs> but when 2007 comes along and I'm dealing with all this, all of a sudden it's like the, the, old, the old saying, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, the teacher appeared when the student was really ready. The student was just like <laughs> back against the wall. Like I had no idea what to do. The movie shows up, and I still didn't know what to do after the movie had shown up, but I realized mm-hmm. I'd, I'd seen a glimpse into what the possible solution was. Mm-hmm. Um, that following January, I did my first experiment with trying to apply the law of attraction. I've told this story before about how I had a cyst on my finger that had been there for like nine, ten months, and the doctor mm-hmm. told me I had to get surgery in order to get it removed. And I said, well, you know, that seems like a rather mild thing to try to Eliminate. Let's see if I can eliminate that with the law of attraction, and you know, was bombarding it with gamma rays and everything, and, and nothing was making it go away. And then I finally took my mind off of it and decided that my finger looked perfectly healthy. And two weeks later, it was gone. I said, "Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. I like this." You know, a um, couple months later. Now this is during the time when my father was dying, and he died a few months after that. 
And I, I was frustrated because I just had barely learned this stuff, and I wanted to be able to help him to heal because he was mm-hmm. actually it, he had Parkinson's disease. And other than the Parkinson's, mm-hmm. he was actually in very, very good health. He was at an advanced age, but he could have easily lived to 100. His brother, my uncle, is currently 102, going on 103. So it was, it was definitely, wow. yeah, it was definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, but I couldn't help him, and I was so frustrated. I didn't know how to teach it to him. I didn't know how to help him turn mm-hmm. his mind around. I didn't understand the, con- the the concepts and principles. Well, shortly after that, a few years after that, I'm having a conversation with my wife, who had known that I was uh, getting into this, and with my brother and sister-in-law. And mm-hmm. I was explaining to them what I knew about it, how it worked. This was in uh, April of 2012. And I suggested to them, why don't we try to do something together about this? And, and they were receptive, um, mm-hmm. but, they, but they weren't. No, they weren't like jumping up and down like, yeah, 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 let's do this right now. So didn't really know Mm -hmm. what to do about it. And then come September, I'm really feeling the urge to do something. So I decided, well, maybe I can start doing a podcast and Mm -hmm. did the research to learn how to create a podcast. Uh, As people know, Louise and I did the first podcast on our wedding anniversary, Mm -hmm. September 26, 2012. The first 20 minutes didn't get recorded because I still didn't know how to use the technology. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I stuck with it. Lu- Louise did it f- with me for a while, but uh, it wasn't really her big, big thing to do. So she kind of dropped out mm-hmm. after a while. And, and she's been back periodically to you know fill in gaps and so forth. Um, my brother and my sister-in-law did a couple of episodes with, with us as well, but it wasn't really their thing at that point. I ended up in- interviewing a lot of people over the next two or three months and then kind of stopped for a while. And then the following year, around the same time that I started, I was talking to my brother and sister-in-law again, and my sister-in-law in particular got interested and said, well, I'll, I'm willing to do it with you. And so we ended up uh, being co-hosts for a while. And then she did it for about mm-hmm. a year. My brother came in a few times. And then one of the early interviews I had had been with Joel Elston, and my sister-in-law had to drop out, so I contacted Joel and said, uh, remember that interview we did you know, about a year and a half ago? Would you be interested in being a co-host? He said, sure, and it just kind of turned into this thing. So mm-hmm. you know, here we are six and a half years later, and I'm still doing the podcast, and I'm loving it. And mm-hmm. in, the best part that has come out of it is, I mean, the question was about wanting to teach others and so forth. For me, the best part was I kept bringing on all these really expert people, uh, co-hosts who are life coaches and therapists and so forth. And it's what they've taught me that's been the cool part. It's not so mm-hmm. much, I mean, yes, I know we've been helpful to other people, but for me, it's it's what I learned out of being the, the, the co-host. And so now yeah. I'm at the point where I want to help, you know, pass that along and help other people too but uh mm-hmm. yeah that, that's my story that's how i got there <laughs> cool cool yeah. how about our guest what's their story her story trying to see if there's any other um stuff here i don't see more well i'm seeing some commentary um from people who are you know watching and sharing their own thoughts and their own stories um mm. Actually, Siraj has a question. Let me see if I can bring this in here. Hold on a second. Get this to work properly. Okay. So Siraj is asking, did you guys go through any kind of particular training sessions to become a professional law of attraction coach? If yes, then I'd like to hear about that from you. And and I've never been through any kind of coaching, but I know, Tom, you have. You've been through uh, – Alex, you haven't done anything like that, have you? I don't think you have. No. 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 But but Tom has. I'm just me. Yeah, I've been through (laughs) – What's I've been like? through a number of uh, courses, uh, an actual curriculum mm-hmm. through a, an academy that focuses on law of attraction, mm-hmm. and uh, then I then I continued to do, be on Friday calls for several years with a bunch of law of attraction coaches. One of whom was Cindy Chavez, who's one of your co-hosts. Mm-hmm. So I've known Cindy for well before this uh, podcast started because mm-hmm. she's one of the most active coaches through this particular group of Law of Attraction coaches. Mm-hmm. And that's always cool to be on a call every Friday morning for an hour with a whole bunch of Law of Attraction coaches to see what they're experiencing with their clients yeah. because um, these are, you know, real deal coaches who who really uh, work hard at it and have a lot. One of, the, one of the coaches has a lot of celebrities and politicians for her clients, and she can never say who they are because a lot of them are quite famous. Mm. But um, it's pretty cool, you know, to learn from other people like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fun. It's fun to get trained in it, and but I mean, a lot of it is just listening to tons of Abraham has been the best training for me. And in one way, I got trained is I transcribed many, many 
you know, I've, I've probably transcribed several hundred Abraham uh, segments from various places that I've heard them, and then I transcribed them onto documents on the computer. And in doing that, I, I, it, I internalize it a lot so mm-hmm. that it really becomes my life philosophy in a much deeper way than just randomly hearing it. It's a great way to make it my own in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's good. Did, what, did, what, I, I'm trying to think how to ask the question. When you were doing the uh, the coaching training, did you find that to be really worth doing? Was it just to get the certificate, or did you actually get good good education out of that? I got both. I, I thought that I, by the time I was getting that training, I felt like I knew everything they were teaching me. <laughs> so You knew it all. <laughs> it was like, well, it was like I was already, I felt I was kind of ahead of what they were telling me. Uh-huh. I always felt from the beginning of that training that I already know more than these guys know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, one of the trainers said to me at the very beginning, she says, are you going to do your own college? I said, I, uh, what do you mean? You know, it's like, why would I? And I think because she picked up the fact that I was so into it that I was I was obsessed with it. You know, I, I, <laughs> I was constantly telling them, you know, well, yeah, but Abraham said this and Abraham said that. And they go, well, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of a know-it-all. Which I've tended oh, you're to be. one of those. Yeah. No, I'm not anymore. <laughs> now I'm really humble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be. <laughs> I love that. Doesn't come easy. <laughs> well, actually, that raises I think an it kind of defeats question. the purpose by saying that you're humble. Well, that, that was that was the question I was going to raise. Joke. Is humility a good thing to have? That that that's the question I wanted yes. to raise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, real, real humility. When you're when you're humble in front of the eyes of the Lord, so to speak, you know, that in front of in front of what's divine in the universe, you're and you're mm-hmm. awestruck by it. That's mm-hmm. real humility. That without okay. wonder, right. you know, you're just like, oh my God, life is yeah. so friggin' amazing. That's yeah. real humility. But when you hang okay. your head and feel s- sad that you're you know, supposed to be subservient to somebody or or something, that's that's not good. <laughs> I don't think that's not real humility. You think so, Alex? Go ahead, Alex. Oh, I was going to say on like a personality level, I it's like a catch twenty two because like it, in one way you want to be humble because that's what society says you're supposed to be, but at the same time, like you should be boasting about yourself, like. Be proud of who you are. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like shying away from it. There's a certain humility, like like on this radio podcast, you know, where I've I'm slowly trying to learn to really listen to others and not think that what I have to say, you know, is the most important. You know, <laughs> and let others, you know, and ask others, you know, well, what, what do you think? You know, when, when all I want to do is tell you, you know, the answer to everything. <laughs> Oh, Tom. That, that's humility, right? Yeah, yeah. You're growing. It's good. I'm growing. I'm going to learn. <laughs> I, I do think there is an important difference between being humble and being shy. And I say that as somebody mm-hmm. who was shy for most of his life. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've mentioned it before. I'm still amazed that I do a podcast. Because when I was mm-hmm. young, forget it. There was no way I was going to do something like this. I was too shy. Yeah. It was just not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. Um, when you're in that kind of space, that's a, it's a pretty negative space to be in. It's a very uncomfortable place. And mm-hmm. I, I, I want to really differentiate between that and humility because I think humility often gets associated with that, but it, it's really quite different. Humility, I think, is more about appreciation. When, when mm-hmm. a true humility is just appreciating this wondrous stuff, whatever the wondrous stuff is that you're looking at. And, mm-hmm. and and just being awestruck by it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're in that kind of a place, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not what other people's definition of humility is, but it's mine. Um, so yeah, I I fine. have learned since the law of attraction kind of came into my life that I have begun to really appreciate just how miraculous this life is, just how amazing mm-hmm. everything is that are, that's around us. And that and I don't mean that I love everything that that has happened in my life. I, there's parts of it I haven't liked at all, but. Overall, when when you start 
studying this stuff, you become aware more of the synchronicities, you know, the, the the things that pop up that you that I previously would have said, oh well, that's just coincidence, that's just coincidence. But you see mm-hmm. enough of them, you say, my God, there's an awful lot of this coincidence going on. What's going on? <laughs> and then you study that some more, and you, you look at it some more, and you realize this this is a pretty remarkable place we live in, this world, this physical mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at at the patterns that show up in nature. You look at the yeah. the, the variety of not just humans, but animals and life forms. Mm-hmm. You, you look at all... and. Part of part of it for me was the old age old question: Is it just humans who are self conscious, or are other beings, animals, and so forth also self conscious? And I began to realize everything is conscious. Consciousness is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I think about that, and I say, "Whoa, consciousness yeah. is everything, everywhere." Mm-hmm. It's like you're being watched all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's by, a spooky way. By loving it. eyes, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I just continue to be more and more amazed by this place that we're in. So yeah. I don't claim. I mean, I hear a lot of stories about what the, the non-physical realm is like. I don't claim to know that realm um, mm-hmm. in, in the way that you know some psychics do or whatever. I, I listen to what I usually just you know for the most part repeat what they say. But mm-hmm. I know that deep down, I believe that that non-physical realm is a pretty cool place too. What's happened is that that in the, from that non-physical realm, a, a, a bunch of us—I don't know how big the bunch is—but a bunch of us have created this physical realm, and so this is like mm-hmm. our playground. Yeah, it's our playground, and and when I look at it yeah. that way, that to me is the source of humility. Like, whoa, this is really cool. How did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. How are we continuing to do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, when I, w- I was studying Native Americans a lot and shamanism, and and I started to realize, you know, you you get into animal medicine, you know, which is how every animal has a message for us, has a teaching for us, and mm-hmm. you realize that when Native Americans or any indigenous people lived with nature all the time, you know, the way the earth was created, so that we were actually in nature, we weren't just isolated inside of buildings all the time that mm-hmm. we were learning constantly from all the other beings. You know, the different types of tree, each tree would teach us a different lesson. Each animal, whether it was the raccoon or the squirrel or the deer or the bear, they would all teach us something because we were with them and we and we observed them. And they would come into our space and their, and their consciousness that is just as vividly aware of of what life is as we are. You know, but each with their own particular message each with their own particular understanding. And I feel, God, that's so cool, how, how what that must have been like, you know. And Because now, you know, there's so much wisdom just in the little bit we know about animals, you know, we can learn from them. And, and they still show up in our lives to whatever degree. I mean, even our cat and our dog can teach us so much. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, yeah, there's – I wish we would begin to take advantage more and more of the Earth's gifts to us and – back off our agenda of being so, like, you know, hell-bent for always changing everything, you know. I mean, and mm-hmm. you know, we, now we're wanting to go to the next, you know, go to Mars and all that, which that's fine, but, I mean, a lot of times I think we don't get how to live here, you know, in this incredible place. Mm-hmm. We've, we've forgotten a lot how awesome it really is. Well, let me ask you a question. We take it for granted. Yeah. Mm. Let me ask you a question, because the question came to my mind based on that last bit that you said. There's an old cliche that says, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Do you think it's true? Mm. Um, I I think that that there's probably, the way it really is, is there's universal laws that govern the beauty of the universe and the way it's all unfolding. And so no one's getting away from those laws no matter what we do. So we can mm-hmm. we can imagine that we're on different trajectories, and they can seem to us to be pretty um, shallow and pretty meaningless. Mm-hmm. And so we can go in all these directions, but ultimately we're going to come back to the source. Ultimately, everything comes back because it's all being created from source. But it's almost like with free will, we have the ability to literally. You know, you know, like that staying, you have enough rope to hang, you know, you give that person enough rope to hang themselves. 
uh, you know, because they're <laughs> foolish enough. They're foolish enough to blow their opportunity. And I think, in a sense, that's kind of what humans are always up against in these times we're in: is that we we're foolish enough to ruin the planet. You know, we're foolish enough to forget what love really is. We're foolish enough to forget the value of the family. We're foolish enough to quit talking to each other and, and start only relating to electronic instruments. You know, not not that there's not beauty in everything. I And so maybe everything will come full circle. And no matter how far out there we seem, we're going to come back. But it could take generations and some of the things that seem so off track. And I think we could avoid having to be in misery as much as we are, you know, as a society or as individuals. I think we create our own worst nightmares. Well, then let me ask a follow-up. Abraham says, you can't get it wrong and you'll never get it done. Do you think that's true? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Or like Walt Thiessen says, um, you can only get it right. You can only get it right. And how does the rest of it go? And the road goes on forever. The road goes on forever. Yeah. I think that's true too. <laughs> I like I like that one better. I like it They're because it, it yeah. flips it into the positive. That's why I like it that way. I, I, yeah. Whenever, whenever yeah. I hear a phrase expressed in the negative, I want to ask myself, okay, so what's the positive way to say that? Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with what yeah. with the concept behind what what they said. It's just I yeah. want to turn it around. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Get a little waltz spin. The waltz spin. That's yeah. right. <laughs> waltz spin. <laughs> yeah. I feel better whenever I express I express something in the positive. You know, yeah, of, you should. Some of the best things that we have as you know, sayings and so forth are expressed in the negative. And when I turn them around and put them in the positive, it just feels cleaner and clearer. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes part of my life in a bigger way. That's what I experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, it takes us more out of that paradigm that's been ingrained in our culture for quite a few years. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years of looking to the dark side um, so strongly. You know, like all, so many of our movies and novels and things, they they tell stories that are based so much on the the darkness, you know, being so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes overdo that. You know, it's like it it creates unnecessary misery in the world by how strongly we believe that misery exists. You know, we yes, it exists, but we don't have to like have it be almost like, you know put a crown on it and, and set it up on a throne, you know, saying like, it's like the, like playing this game of thrones, you know, let's give, you know, let's give the darkness this huge, you know, credit. The game of thrones. <laughs> the game of thrones. The game. <laughs> yeah. All but right. you also forget in, in those movies and TV shows and such light always wins. Yeah, well, we like that game for sure, but but boy, the suffering that goes on in playing the game is like I just Walt and I have talked about that before. Like, what mm-hmm. if we wrote stories and things that were just not quite so dark? Would anybody have an interest in hearing them? Even you know, it's like, or do we just we just need that level? Probably of not. <laughs> yeah, well, you're yeah. you're 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 a movie buff who watches endless amounts of movies, and but you really know that <laughs> world of um. Of drama, <laughs> of the story, mm-hmm. you know that story of there has to be this intense darkness before, and then when the light wins, it makes it so much more fun, right? Because yeah. you conquered it just such. Makes a, you feel good because you conquered so much darkness, you know. Yes, yes. So, I, Alex, it's I got to follow up with you, Alex. Is it true that that I mean, it's true in the uh, the theater and the and the TV world, but is it true in real life that light always wins? Hmm. <laughs> it depends on who you talk to. Mm. <laughs> on I would say yes. Watch. <laughs> I would say yes, but there are some people who are struggling right now that are saying dark is winning right now. Yeah, the key word they is believe struggle. In it, that is... Yeah, the key word is struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, I mean, I talked earlier about how I like having so many life coaches as my co-hosts. Because I learned so mm-hmm. much from them. I learned so much from all of my co-hosts, but especially like I'm thinking right now about Joel Elston, who is the, the foremost advocate that I know of in favor of struggle. I mean, he, in he, favor, he, of, favor of struggle. In favor I'm of also struggle. in favor of struggle. Are you? I am. Why do you like struggle? I, Before I, I even I, tell Joel, I don't thing. know. 
I don't know how many times I've said this, but everything happens for a reason and a season. So <laughs> if you don't have struggle, you can't appreciate the joy. So I'm I'm in favor for struggle. Yeah. That's I'm in cool. favor of it now too, much more than I was a few weeks ago. Cause I've been yeah. getting a lot of, a lot of messages. I mean, even that book I'm reading called Talking with Angels written in 1943 mm-hmm. by these four, four women, three of who, who died in Auschwitz, you know, and the angels that they channel really are clear about the value of, um, of struggle, you might say, of carrying a certain weight in life. And if you don't, you're mm-hmm. not embodied. You know, it's part of being in the 3D realm is to mm-hmm. be dealing with the contrast. And, um, and, but if you deal with it and you embrace it, you, you come to know why it's there and you come to realize that there's a reason to be in this 3D realm and it involves carrying the weight of, um, of the task that we're, that we're sort of shouldering here. There's mm-hmm. a beauty to it. There's a beauty to it all. It's like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon could never become the butterfly. You know, people have tried to help the butterfly out of the cocoon and those butterflies die, you know, yeah. because mm-hmm. they have to struggle just like mm-hmm. probably the baby chick has to struggle to get out of the egg uh, yeah. or it won't survive. Mm-hmm. And so there is something about it. They said even the, even the human embryo, the human baby when it's born has a part in the birth process where it has to make an effort. They're finding mm-hmm. if the baby when it's coming out doesn't do its part, it's not as healthy. You know, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it can die from not having made its effort to be born. Yeah. So there's something about struggle. Yeah. The and lessons you learn. Oh, sorry, go. What did Joel Elston say? No, no, go, ahead. Go, go with Alex first. Go ahead, Alex. Okay. I was going to say the lessons you learn in strife, you know, make, teach you a better lesson and, and, and give you a better education, I feel. So, again, I'm here for the struggle. That's good, yeah. Um, Alex would, uh, Joel would agree with you, in fact, um, and you, Tom. Uh, he goes to an extra mile on it. He says that struggle is where we have our greatest platform for the most monumental growth that we experience in our lives. And he also mm-hmm. differentiates between struggle and suffering. He makes mm-hmm. it really clear that they are not the same thing. So while no. someone's going through a struggle may feel like you, and you described it very well earlier, I can tell you I'm going through a struggle. Things aren't really good at all. Things are pretty darn bad. Mm-hmm. But he points out when you're going through a struggle, it's up to you whether you are suffering in it. You don't have mm-hmm. to suffer in order to struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important point, I think. Um, he tells a, a wonderful story about a guy who was on a plane with another guy, and the other guy was from Poland. And the first guy mm-hmm. uh, says this, to the Polish guy, oh, wow, I, I'm, I admire you people so much because your history, you, you've had so many invaders, you've had so much stuff to go through. I mean, the, the stuff that you've suffered through has just been unbelievable. And the Polish guy bristles and says, we never suffer. We've had to struggle through a lot, but we are very proud. We have never suffered. For him, it was a point of pride, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine if you talk to people on a lot of sports teams and they'll say, you know, that it's, that we struggle like crazy to win, but yeah. we don't suffer. Mm-hmm. We enjoy the game, <laughs> you know, even yeah. if, even if they lose and they, and they're completely destroyed by the, you know, the intensity they go through in the game, you know, the mm-hmm. hits they take, the, you know, the coach being really mad at them. I mean, all kinds of different things. You know, they make a huge mistake. Um, they're, they're way behind and they've got to struggle for, you know, three quarters of the game and they still lose. And yet mm-hmm. they keep playing. And, and if you talk to each of those players, most of them will say, I love this game. I don't mm-hmm. care what I go through. I love this game. I don't care that I'm going to end up with, uh, with brain uh, problems when I'm in my later years. <laughs> I'd rather play the game. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, they actually make that choice, I'm sure, because they, they keep playing. You know, they could leave. Mm-hmm. They could become real estate agents or you know. <laughs> real estate agents. <laughs> it's not the same thrill. <laughs> not well, the same thrill. Well, I, yeah. I, I guess a football uh, fullback could be considered a real estate agent because he's trying to eat up the real estate, but not quite the same concept. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, he's claiming his territory. He is. He is. <laughs> But, they uh, they get it and then they lose it and then they get it and then they lose it. There you go. Yeah. 
That's funny. So okay, oh, well, we're, we're on the same page where struggle is concerned and, and suffering. So that that that's a good thing. I think that's actually an indication of what we each have learned in our own journeys about learning how the law of attraction mm-hmm. works. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I love about it is that it has such a positive side to it. And there is actually mm-hmm. a burgeoning positive psychology movement that has been going on since, I think, the mid-90s, roughly. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been growing. And interestingly enough, the people in that field uh, will go out of their way to make it clear that they're not into anything mystical, like any of this law of attraction BS. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. what they teach is so much in alignment with what law of attraction mm-hmm. teachers teach that it's almost indistinguishable. And, and so mm-hmm. I just love the fact and that it, there is that really positive side to it. I just love it so much. What was that, Tom? And in, in quantum physics, um, I saw this article the other day how 15 of the top quantum physics um, pioneers who who were the original discoverers of all these different aspects of quantum physics, um, this person had gone back and checked out what happened to each of those people as their lives progressed, and he said they all became mystics. They all became like very metaphysically, spiritually oriented because of what they learned through quantum physics about how the observer is creating reality. And they, and they started more and more to see that not only was the universe this incredibly precisely organized, geometrically perfect experience, but that they were in awe of it. You know, mm. that they were just completely blown out how it was their observations of the universe that were determining how they were seeing everything, you know, that it was yeah. all, they were intricately connected to it and they became mystics because of it. <laughs> and I, I, I want to actually get a hold of that article. I just saw a little bit on, I was, you know, going through the internet one day and I saw that, you know, read a little blurb about it, but I didn't have the time then to read the article, but I wish I would have made a note of, of, uh, of the article so I go back and read it. I'd be curious to see what they say. Because mm-hmm. people like John John Wheeler and David Bohm and these guys, you know, who were the real pioneers of well, look at Einstein. They quote Einstein constantly. Mm. Einstein said so many amazing things. That where did all that come from? You know, yeah, came from a lot of his 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 research, the things yeah. he learned about the universe. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a line from the old movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Where um, mm-hmm. they're, they're up on the uh, the mountaintop and the, and the ships are starting to come in and there's this one brief pause and one of the researchers turns to the other one and says Einstein was right and the other researcher says Einstein was probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, which is kind of funny, but uh, yeah, this this is just amazing stuff. The the particular thing you mentioned, Tom, the uh, the, the observer phenomenon. That concept has stuck with me so firmly that I now look at things like, you know, there there are always these news articles about, uh, you know, all the things that are bad for you and that, you know, research has proven this and science has proven that, you know, you want to stay away from red meat and global warming and, (laughs) you know, just like this endless series of of things that that are just so bad for you that research has proven is so bad for you. I keep thinking to myself, Mm -hmm. observer effect, observer effect, observer effect. (laughs) Right, right. right, right, (laughs) And I just laugh at it because it occurs to me, these people who are very serious people who have studied hard, who have done a lot of research, they've really tried to apply themselves, still don't get that they're the ones creating the reality. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And and I was certainly one of those people. I mean, for years, mm-hmm. I never considered the idea I was creating my own reality. Never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, boy, same. When you wake up to it, it, it all of a sudden is an entirely different universe. It's an entirely different place to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool place to live. <laughs> and there's and there's a balance. I mean, the the main question I wanted to address today on the show, which, you know, we didn't really go in that direction, but was going to be the question is, well, what's the balance between the fact of we create our own reality and the fact that the, that reality is being handed to us by an omnipotent, all-loving force called source? And that all mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're putting our requests into the vortex, into the, you know, you might say you're putting it into the field, but that is, there's this magical field that's unfolding it all, you know, that, that we are... Somehow, 
where the observer observing it all and unfolding it all, and it's being unfolded for us by this divine, loving, omnipotent, all all powerful. Well, I guess that's what omnipotent means. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's something going on here that is bigger than just just saying I create my reality. Although that's a good thing to continue to explore, you know, over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, how does the observer? How are we all one with that creative love, that creative power, that creative beauty? How are we all totally the vehicles of it? You know, and mm-hmm. we are it in some real way. We are it. Like Abraham always says, the greater part of us is source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a pretty big thing to be exploring. You know, um, that's the cool thing about law of attraction is that we're always on the frontier of that. We're like the pioneers of that. You know, asking those questions and and looking in our own lives every day to see how do I create my own reality and mm-hmm. how do I be totally receptive. Like Abraham says, a hundred percent of your job is to be receptive. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're actually receiving at the same time as we are quote unquote creating. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, it's the, happening simultaneously. The other thought that comes to my mind is that we have teachers such as Neville Goddard, who I respect immensely. I, I love the way he looks at a lot of stuff, but there's one little point that I, it, it still doesn't quite work for me. And I respect what he has to say, but nevertheless, I, I think he's kind of missed the boat. And I, I think a lot of people miss the boat on this. The, it's the claim that all creation is already done, that it, 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 it's all been done. And now we are all in this realm where we are choosing, like you said, we are selecting. I want to have this. I want to have that. It's all that kind mm. of a process going on. And the only reason I, I even mentioned that is if it's all done, what, what they're really saying is this infinite number of possibilities of the way life could be laid out and the different kinds of creations that could be done, that's all completed by now. It has, it's already been done. Mm-hmm. And I say to myself, that doesn't make sense. Because if it's yeah. infinite, there is no limit. There is no end yeah. to it. Right. It's constantly... Yeah. That's the point of infinite. <laughs> it, it, it just keeps going and going and going. It's just continuous. Yeah. Well, if it's continuous, how could it all be done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know, the, the, but I think that's cool. Huh? I think it's actually more expansive. I think it's more powerful than saying that it's all done because that means we are still yeah. creating. We are still contributing. It's not just us being people who are requesting saying, oh, okay, I request this to come and that come. It's more than that. We are creating yeah. as yeah. we go along. Yeah. And I think it's a mm-hmm. lot more. Every second, every second is yeah. brand new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Alex? I think this whole concept that we're discussing right now reminds me of the movie The Adjustment Bureau. Have you, have you seen that movie? I haven't. No. Okay, so it's basically, it's, it's, it's kind of like what we're talking about, except it's like real life applications. So I guess in the future, there's, um, this company or that you would call the universe that, uh, chooses how things happen like different how how you know how you react to things how different things happen how so they get if something goes wrong they get to go back and correct it and they're like no 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 that's not the decision you want to make you have to you have to fix it because we need this outcome to happen so it's kind of like that so i thought it was very interesting watching it you know in my law of attraction mind i was like Oh, this is great on a whole nother level, and nobody gets it. <laughs> What's it called again? The adjustment. Uh, the adjustment bureau. Oh, the adjustment bureau. bureau. Oh, I have to watch. Yeah, that. Matt Damon's in it. I think. I think. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I might have seen. It. Oh, yeah. I, I suspect there are some viewers like you who who have noticed that connection and are probably looking at it yeah. the same way you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're yeah. probably right. Most don't. <laughs> Which is. <okay. laughs> Hey, this has been really good, though. I've, I've liked this conversation. Uh, and uh, this is one of the times where we've actually got a chance to talk about, I, I mean, at least I did, and I, I think you guys did, too, how cool this place is. We, we, we live in a really cool yeah. place and a really cool time, and I like that. We, we don't give enough I like it. I'll stay a while. Yeah, I think so. Stick around, right? <laughs> See what happens next. <laughs> yeah, put my feet yeah. up. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank There's you. a lot of opportunity here. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. There is. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all that. Thank you to our listeners. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.